judge us again, Lord. Lord, consider us again, Lord. Consider our petitions, Lord. Somebody came here standing in the need of a breakthrough. Somebody came here standing in the need of a blessing. Somebody came here standing in the need of deliverance. And Lord, you are God and you are able to do everything. There is nothing that is too hard for God. Lord, we ask that you to stand in the gap right now, Lord. Lord, you make a way where there is no way, Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, you pull us out and deliver us, Lord, like only you can. Right now, in the name of Jesus. Lord, strengthen us right now for this moment. Strengthen us right now for this day. Strengthen us right now for this season. Lord, we know there are so many things coming against us. But Lord, you stand right there with us. Lord, whatever we're going through right now, Lord, Lord, we're happy to know that we're not going through by ourselves. But Lord, you said you would never leave us. Lord, you said you'd never forsake us. Lord, you're right here with us. And for that, Lord, we thank you. For that, Lord, we give you the glory. For that, Lord, we give you the honor. For that, Lord, we give you the praise. Right now, in Jesus' name. Come on, put those hands together and give God some praise. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, put your hands together. How many of you all know that we glorify the Lord in the heavens, the earth, and in this temple?
that only God should get the glory out of our lives. No matter whatever we're dealing with, no matter what we're struggling with, we should, it should be our prayer that God gets the glory out of our lives. Why don't you pray that with me right quick? Say, Lord, you get the glory out of my life. Come on, say it like you mean it. Say, Lord, you get the glory out of my life. Come on, put those hands together and give God some Lord, even in this moment right now, Lord, touch us. Touch our hearts, our minds, our ears. Let us all be open, our spirits to be receptive to what you have to say to us in this moment. Strengthen our hearts and our minds, and Lord, let us recognize this destiny moment. Lord, even as your word is applied to our hearts, Lord, let's recognize this moment and allow your word to drive us to our place of destiny, to push us forward into your promise. And Lord, may none of us leave here the same way that we came. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. you. May be seated in the house of the Lord. We're certainly grateful to God for his blessing and for his mercy and his kindness. And we're grateful to each of you who've come to join us on this morning. And we're going quickly to the word of the Lord. We're going to James, the first chapter. And we'll start at verse 2 there in James. Again, that's James, the first chapter. And we'll, be, we'll begin at verse 2 there in James. I'm also going to, we're also going to look at Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5. Again, we'll look at James chapter 1, beginning at verse 2. That'll be from the English Standard Version. And also after that, we'll look at Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5 from the King James Version. Give you a moment to put a pen in both of those. Amen. We're talking this morning about perfect patience. Perfect patience. We're going to talk about that this morning, and we pray that you're blessed and encouraged wherever you are that you're listening to this message. But again, we're going to begin James chapter 1, starting at verse 2 from the English Standard Version, and then we'll skip over to Romans chapter 5 from the King James Version, and we'll be looking at verses 3 through 5. If you have us, say amen. Amen. James chapter 1 from the English Standard Version, beginning at verse 2, says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, or in the King James Version, patience. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways." Amen. Now we're going to go over to Romans chapter 5, starting at verse 3. That's verses 3 through 5 from the King James Version. And the word says, and not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. 
and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed. Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. We're going to talk a few moments, as I said, from the thought, perfect patience. The text here in James, it begins by talking to us about how the importance of patience and how patience is established. Many of us know by our own experiences, patience is not something that you're born with. A child is not born with patience. Patience is taught. Patience is learned. Patience is something that is acquired through experience. And the text here says, in acquiring patience, we should, during that time frame, count it all joy. That's what James 1 and 2 says. We should count it joy while we are acquiring patience because the acquisitions of patience requires what? It requires diver trials and tribulations. That means that we are acquiring patience while we are going through the storm. The storm is teaching us to be patient. The trial is teaching us to be patient. Romans 3 and 5 is saying, 5 and 3 is saying, experience. We are acquiring patience through experience. As I said, the child is not born with patience, but hopefully over time, the child is taught patience. And that's something that we as parents, that's something we have a role in doing teaching our children to have patience. And as someone who works in the school system, parents, it is imperative that you please teach your children patience. Teach them that they're not always going to have access to things at the moment that they want them. Because you keep giving it to them when they want them, and then when they come to school, they have to wait. And then they cry, and then they act up. And then when we call you, you say, well, they don't act like that at home. Well, no, they don't act like that at home because whenever they want it, you give it to them. Come on in here now. It's part of our job as parents to teach our children patience. So we need to teach them how to wait sometimes. They can't always have it immediately. They can't always have it when they want it. And sometimes they can't have it at all. We need to learn how to exercise a short word that I heard many times when I was a child, the word no. Every now and again, we need to exercise the word no. And and every no does not come with an explanation. Come on. (laughs) Come on. Because sometimes in life, they're going to be told no, and they're not going to be explained why they're being told no. Why did I not get this opportunity? Why did I not get this job? Why did I not get this promotion? And sometimes they're receiving no without explanation. So they need to learn that as a child. You're helping them to acquire patience through experience, through trials, by telling them simply, sometimes the answer is no. And then again, sometimes the answer is wait. Sometimes the answer is not right now. Because while you might have an easy ratio with your child, it may be one of you to three or four children. The, the teacher has one to 25 or one to 30. It's one of them and 25 or 30 kids. So they can't drop everything and give your little spoiled Johnny what he wants at that exact moment. 
So somewhere at home, you need to be teaching him to wait. You need to teach him by telling him the answer is simply no sometimes. Come on now. We're we're, we're building a society of children who don't learn patience. They don't learn to wait. They don't learn that they don't receive instant gratification. So then the first time somebody tells them no or the first time somebody tells them to wait, then they act the fool. And then somebody right now say, why do we have so many behavioral problems in schools? We didn't have all those problems when I was in school. Yeah, you didn't have those problems because back then, parents told their kids no. Back then, though, parents told their kids wait. And they didn't always take time to explain it. Sometimes the answer was just no. But you, they are learning something through that trial. They are learning something through that experience. They're learning they can't always have what they want at the moment that they want it. Because if you don't teach it to them, the world will teach it to them. If you don't teach them that they don't get everything that they ask for at home, then the world's going to teach it to them. If you don't teach them that they're going to receive no and they're going to receive rejection without explanation at home, they're going to learn that hard lesson in the world because the world will teach it to them. And by the same token, we as Christians, we learn by trial. We learn by experience. And sometimes, even with God, the answer to us is simply no. Sometimes it's no without explanation. And I've learned that the reason God doesn't explain to us all the time is because we don't operate on his level. We don't think on his level. Even if he explained it to us, we wouldn't understand because his ways are above our ways and his thoughts are above our thoughts. He doesn't take time to give us an explanation that we don't understand. So sometimes he simply says no. Sometimes that no means you're not prepared. Sometimes that no means you're not ready. Sometimes that no means it's not your season right then. It's not, it's not, it's not your season yet. It's not, it's not your season. And sometimes it's easier. I'll use the example to explain that when it's not your season, you don't give the new, newborn baby a, a, a porterhouse steak. The steak can be a blessing to someone else, but it's not that baby's season. Well, you don't, you don't give your eight-year-old child a brand new car because even though the car can be a blessing in of itself, it's not that child's season. So sometimes when we receive no, it's because it's not our season, but God doesn't always explain it to us. He simply says no. So how can I acquire patience through the trial? How can I acquire patience through the storm? Because each time I go through something, I ought to learn something. Each time I go through, I ought to learn something. I thought about in when I was in high school, I believe it was like my 11th grade year, 11th grade year, Shelbyville Central. After lunch, we had lunch with our health teacher. Our health teacher, I think she went to the teacher's lounge to eat. And when she went to the teacher's lounge, it took her a little longer to get back to our classroom. So we arrived at the classroom before she did. So after lunch, we go to the classroom. The door is locked. So we learn through trial, error, and experience that after lunch, we just stand on the wall and wait for her to come unlock the door. Well, that was a friend of mine who was very sarcastic, and he said, Larry, he said, watch this. He said, let's see all the geniuses who go check and see if the door is unlocked. (laughs) So we'd stand there, and even though we knew it through experience, through trial, that the door was locked, 
there'd always be somebody to go check and make sure that the door was locked. It's as if they had not learned through trial and experience to be patient. But through the trial and through the experience, we had learned patience, so we didn't get upset, we didn't get frustrated, we weren't worried, we weren't tapping our feet, we weren't running around. After lunch, we walked, stood by the wall until the teacher came and unlocked the door because experience had taught us to be patient. And, and, and that's how God works. That means that sometimes I request something from God, and then other times God has promised me something, but I have not gotten it yet. But experience has taught me to be patient. I don't have to keep jiggling the door and looking like I'm silly. I don't have to work myself and get my blood pressure all up because I'm waiting on something from God and and I'm impatient about receiving what he has already promised. But patience has taught me to wait. Patience, my experience has taught me to be patient and to wait on God. And while I'm waiting, that doesn't mean I'm doing nothing. I'm still serving. I'm still active. But I'm not losing my mind because I know whatever God has promised me, it's coming. Whatever he promised me is coming. Whatever God promised you, it's coming. Point at somebody and say, whatever God promised you, it's coming. Now point at them again and say, trust God like you trust UPS. Trust God like you trust you. You trust UPS now. They tell you it's coming. You waiting. You looking out the window. You peeking, so you hear a little creak on the porch, Uh uh-oh, that must be them. You're expecting then to receive whatever you have been promised that they're going to deliver. Why do we not exercise that same amount of faith in God? Has not our experience and our trial and our storm caused us and taught us to have faith enough that God is going to deliver on everything. Somebody say everything. God is going to deliver on everything that he has promised. And I have learned this through trials. My my trial taught me that, that even though I was in the middle of something that I didn't know how I was going to get out of. And I, I wish I had a few people who've who, who, who been there. That you were in the middle of something, and you prayed and you cried, and you're like, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this, but some way, somehow, God delivered you. God made a way where there seemed to be, I wish I had some witnesses in here, there seemed to be no way. And, and since he delivered me from that, the songwriter said, I don't believe he brought me this far. Why, why, why did God deliver me out of this storm just to cause me to be stuck right here? The same God that delivered me from that is going to deliver me from this. So all I have to do is wait with patience for what God has already promised he's going to do. So why, why, am I, why am I worried? Why, why am I concerned? Because my storm, my trial, my tribulation has taught me to be patient. So then it says here, let patience in verse 4, it says, let steadfastness or let patience have the full effect or its perfect work. That you may be perfect and complete, get this, lacking nothing. Lacking nothing, my God shall supply all my need according to his riches in glory. If I have patience and faith to believe that God is not going to cause me to be lacking, then why am I worried? 
Jesus put it this way. Why do you worry about the, the height of your stature? Why, why, do you, why do you worry about what you're going to eat tomorrow? He said the, the lilies of the field neither toil nor spin, but, but, but God has arrayed them even to be more beautiful than Solomon. They, they lack nothing. So why am I worried? Because my God is going to supply all of my needs. Everything, the every, somebody say everything again. Everything. Say it like you mean. Say everything. Everything. Everything that I need, my God, he shall supply it. I don't have to lack for anything. So if I don't have it, that means it is coming. So that which I hope for, I do with patience. Wait for it because God has already promised that it's coming to pass. It's coming, it's coming. And, and sometimes the best blessing takes a little bit longer to get ready. Sometimes the best blessing takes a little bit longer. I wish I had to, to, get, to get ready. I, I know you know it from your mama's cooking, but I know we, we lived in Memphis for a while, and even there's a restaurant in Murfreesboro. Some of the best restaurants, when you order, the food's not ready yet. Come on, Sister Carla. She, she'll tell you, Memphis. It, it, the best food, when you get there, is not already ready. But when you go, I'm talking about the show enough good restaurants that have that fresh, home-cooked-to-order type of food. You're going to have to wait a little bit. Now, if you want your cheap Turkish chicken and want to go through the drive-thru, go ahead, baby. But if you want some of the hot chicken, you want Helen's hot chicken, or you, you want some of the other people who prepare chicken, you're going to have to wait a little bit because they're going to prepare that fresh to order. So as long as you're prepared to wait, you're going to receive something greater than what you would have gotten. See, some of us, we have accepted fast food blessings because we did not wait. We got fast food blessings, fast food jobs, fast food husbands. Fast food wives, <laughs> fast food financial blessings. Why? Because we were not willing to wait on what God was trying to cook fresh to order for each and every one of us. Because, see, God's blessings are so individualized that it fits you specifically. I, I want God to give me a blessing that, that fits me. Come on now. You can give me all the small suits you want. I can't do nothing with them. That's not a blessing to me because I can't fit them. But God's blessings are catered and, and suited to order so it fits you perfectly. And not only does it fit you perfectly, it comes right on time. He may not come when you, when you want him, but he's, he's always, I wish I had help. He, he's always on time. That's how our God, he operates. So our trial, our perseverance works perfect patience so that we're complete and lacking nothing. And then I look to the scripture again and it tells me why we lack. Why are we lacking? Look at verse 5, James 1 and verse 5. Being of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. Why is it talking about lacking wisdom? Well, it tells you in verse 4. Verse 4 is saying you should lack nothing. So then it explains if you lack something, it's because you lack wisdom because you're not asking for the right thing. 
Some of us, we, the reason we're upset and frustrated and we lack patience with God and we're, we're frustrated with God because he gave us, we, we're asking for something that we ask for without wisdom. Because if you had wisdom, you wouldn't have asked for something that you know God does not have for you, that you're not ready for. Come on in here with me now. You, you, you're, you're, you're buying you're buying brand new rims on your car, but you, you didn't buy car insurance. Come on. You, you need to exercise. We got quiet through here. You, <laughs> you need to exercise some wisdom. Uh, you, you doing, you know, you're doing GoFundMe when you need to buy life insurance. This is so quiet. But it's because we lack wisdom. What we need to do is make sure that whatever we ask for, we're asking for with God's wisdom. And God will not fail to supply anything that we ask for. We ask for with a little wisdom. Ask for a little wisdom, whatever you ask for with a little wisdom. I want you to understand that even when you don't perfect it, the Holy Ghost itself, the Holy Spirit maketh intercession for us. To translate into God that which we are really requiring, that which we really desire. We need wisdom because sometimes if you have wisdom, not only do you know what to ask for, you know when not to ask. Some things we ask for, but if we had wisdom, we wouldn't even ask for. Come on now. Some, some, of, you, some of you are happily single. Stop asking for a husband. Stop asking for a wife if you're happily single. Come on now. Let's be real in here. God recognizes you so happily single, you're not ready. Not ready to add anybody else to your life. You like your singleness too much. You like doing what you want to do when you want to do it too much. And you can't fit anybody. I wish I had some real people in here. You can't really fit anybody in to your schedule because you're too busy being you and doing what you like to do that if somebody came and interrupted that, you'd have a problem. You, you wouldn't be as happy as you are right now because you like doing your own thing. So if you get wisdom first, then you might say, I was going to ask for that, but maybe... Maybe I, that's not something I want right now. Maybe God, I wish I had some help. Maybe God knows best. Some of y'all are asking for new jobs. Maybe it's okay to, to, to want uh, uh, something greater. It's okay to want promotion. But some of you all have jobs and you're handling the problems here. But God knows the problems that are at the other job. Maybe wherever job you go to, they're going to be problems. And God knows you handling the problems here, but if you got that other job, they might have problems that you can't handle. Remember, I told you when you ask for blessings, think of blessings like children. It's a blessing to have children. But at some point these days, most people stop asking. God, that's, that's, enough. <laughs> that's enough. I don't need any more. We, you have to attend to your blessings like you attend to children. So with wisdom, you learn when you've had enough. Remember the talents? I told you that somebody, one of the theologians said that the talent was equivalent to about 92 pounds. Of, uh, uh, the talent of gold was equivalent to about 92 pounds. Gold is heavy. So if you, you're saying one man had one talent, one man had five, and one had ten, you start asking for too much, you might have more than you can carry. 
Wisdom will teach you that I will not ask for more than I can carry. You want five cars? You want five car payments. You want five, you want five insurance payments. Uh, you want a million-dollar house? Or you, you, want the, you want the mortgage? You want the, you want the uh, taxes with that? You want the upkeep with that? There's a beautiful house up, up Murfreesboro Highway that we passed when we are going from Shelbyville to Murfreesboro. Beautiful. has a big lawn, lots of yard. I'm, I, I get tired thinking about cutting that yard. And then my wallet gets tired thinking about how much it must cost to pay somebody. I wish I would. But wisdom teaches you to not ask for more than you're ready for. To not ask for more than you can handle, more than you can bear. That's why he's saying some of you are upset, some of you are frustrated because you're asking for things, but you're not asking for them with wisdom. Wisdom will teach you what to ask for, and wisdom will also teach you when not to ask. Somebody say, thank God for wisdom. So, so verse 5 tells you one reason that you might be lacking something because you lack wisdom. And then verse 6 gives you another reason why you might be lacking something because it says, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. Maybe the reason that I'm lacking, the reason that you're lacking is that you're asking, but you're asking while you are doubting. It says, for one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by, by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. If you don't believe, why are you asking? Either ask in faith. What, did, what, they, what, what was the saying? Ask in doubt and do without. I think that's what they say. If you ask in doubt, you're going to do without. You need to ask in faith. Ask and believe that you shall receive. If you ask in doubt, then you're going to do without. That's what verse 6 is saying. Some of you are lacking because you asked, but you didn't ask in faith. You need to ask believing that God is going to do exactly what you're asking for. And the reason you're comforted by what you're going to receive, what you asked for, is because verse 5, you ask with wisdom. I'm only asking for that thing which I know is in line with the will of God. Which above all things, thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. God is not going to ask you or bless you with anything that removes you from his presence, that removes you from your desire from him, that causes you to be further away from God. Why would God bless you with something that would cause you to be further away from him? But I ask with wisdom, and then I ask in faith. And then it says in verse 8, it's talking about verse 7 verse, because a, a lot of people take verse 8 out of context and use it for their own purposes. Verse 8 usually is making reference to verse 7, so you should read them together. Verse 7 says, For that person must not suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. That's what it means. You're double-minded because you're asking, but you don't have faith. You're operating on both sides of the fence. Either believe and ask for it, or why ask if you don't have faith? You're double-minded and you're unstable in all of your ways. Let's go to Romans because I have to close here. Go to Romans chapter 5, back to Romans 5 and 3. And it says, verse 3, not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering. We rejoice in our trials. Why do we rejoice in our trials? Because we know 
that suffering or our trials worketh patience. The trial is working patience. Our trial, I've said it before, our trial is working for us. We are, something good is coming out of our trial. And so because something good comes out of our trial, I want you to get this. If something good comes out of your trial, then something good comes out of your neighbor's trial. So stop judging them while they're going through. Something good is something God is producing something out of my trial. So that means God is producing something out of my neighbor's trial. So why am I judging them? Why do I have my mouth on them? Why, why am I judging what they're going through? They're going through, they're, 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 they're recovering from addiction, from alcoholism, from, from nicotine addiction. They're, they're, they're recovering from methadone addictions and, and, and all of these other addictions. And, but, but you lie all the time. So you're recovering too. Because they're going through a trial, that means you should talk about that. I wish I had. I wish I had some help with it in here. They're, they're, they're committing fornication. Oh, girl, you, you don't know what I heard. I heard this and I heard, heard that. And he was over here and he was over there. And he's, doing, he's, over, uh, he's over a little bit everywhere. You're dealing with him, but you gossiping. And you hateful. <laughs> you, got pro- you got a couple problems you're dealing with by yourself. While you judging them for your trial, you ought to spend that time working on yourself. The William brother said, sweep around your own front door before you try to sweep around mine. <laughs> That's how they said it. We're all going through something. So if my trial is working something for me, then that trial must be working something for them. So I shouldn't talk about them. I shouldn't be mad at them. You evil and don't forgive people. You talking about them in, in adultery? You talking about them? Oh, how many, how many baby daddies she gonna have? You worry about them, but you hateful and don't forgive. My my Bible says my, the Lord forgives you even as you forgive. That's I'm just that's what my Bible said. So 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 if they're going through something and you're going through something, you need to work on yourself instead of talking about somebody else because God is working something out of your trial and he's working something out of theirs. We're all working on something. We're all, we're all working on something. In fact, I want you to just admit it, point to somebody else and say, baby, I'm working on something. I'm working on something. There, there. What I'm working on may not look like what you're working on, but we're all working on something. But whatever we're working through, God is telling us knowing that tribulation, the trial, is working patience. Patience, experience. And by experience, that means once I go through this, I learn something. I'm not going that way anymore. Wish I had him. I'm not going that way anymore. So this is the Allen. One of her daughters lived on the other side of Knoxville. One time I went through Knoxville and I don't know where we were going, South Carolina or somewhere. And on the other side of Knoxville, on that east side, there's this curvy road and it does like that. I mean, and you 
you're going around mountains and it's just waving like that. I went through that road one time. The next time I said, I need to find an alternate route because I'm not going that way anymore. My experience taught me something. And, and, and experience ought to teach you that you don't keep taking the same road. You don't keep taking the same path. Because you, you, they talk about insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. Some of us, we're frustrated because we keep taking the same road. There's another way to get there. There, there is another way to accomplish that. There's another way to achieve that. And your experience is teaching you to be patient, to wait on another way. I rushed last time and it didn't work out so good. Wish I had help here. Many of us have been in accidents where if we weren't rushing, the person behind us was rushing. And we got in an accident because somebody wasn't patient. If anything, that experience ought to teach you to slow down a little bit. My wife used to laugh at me after I had my incident where it was raining and I slid off the road every time it rained. I was like, I slowed down about 20 miles. <laughs> my wife said, you're going to be all right. You're not going to slide off the road. But my experience taught me something, to be patient, to wait a little bit. I'm going to do something a little bit differently because my experience has taught me to be patient. How many of you know, how many of you have been in a situation where you were rushing and you got in trouble? rushing and you made a mistake, rushing out of the house and you forgot something that you needed, rushing down the road, then you had to turn around and, and it took you twice as long because you were rushing. Experience ought to teach you to do something a little different. And then experience, it says, teaches you hope. And I'm, I'm finished. Teaching you hope and hopeth make, maketh you not ashamed. Because I have experience in this situation, I'm going back to the high school, I'm going and I'm waiting by the door and I'm waiting with patience, but I'm also waiting with hope and expectation because my experience has taught me, it's got, taught me hope, but the teacher's coming. All I have to do is wait. She's not here yet, but she's coming. All I need to do is wait. So I'm waiting with patience because I have hope and expectation that what I need it's coming. So I have hope even while I'm waiting. Because if you don't have hope, then why are you waiting? I do with patience wait for it because I have hope and I believe and I trust God that he's going to do exactly what he said. He's going to do it. It's, it's coming. It's on its way. God is going to bring it to pass, and I have hope so I can wait for it because I have hope. I wait differently. People who have hope wait differently. I'm not running around losing my mind. I, I, I'm not ex experiencing anxiety about this situation because I have enough hope to know that it's going to happen, that God is going to do it. I don't even have to see it yet. I always tell you that I, I love the story, but, uh, but Elijah, when he keeps sending the little boy up, I just imagine to, to look for the cloud. I just imagine Elijah just sitting in his rocking chair because he knows what God said. Little boy comes back and says, there is nothing. Elijah said, go again, boy. <laughs> I can just imagine him in his rocking chair looking at his newspaper. Come on now, let me, let me bring it into our time. He, he, got, he got his phone and he's scrolling through the news. And the boy comes back and says, there is nothing. Elijah's like, hold on. 
Let me look at this article right here. All right, go again. (laughs) He's not worried because his experience has bred hope. And he has hope that's not going to make him ashamed because God said it. Somebody say it with me. Say God said it. And because God said it, I, I am standing on the promises of God. I'm not standing on myself. I'm not standing on my own word. But I'm standing on the promises of God because God is going to do exactly what he said. God's going to do exactly what he said. So it reminds me of a story that my dad used to teach. It says the boy was on the mountain, and he was looking over a cliff, and then all of a sudden he fell over the cliff, and he was hanging on to a branch. While he was hanging on to a branch, a few men from, from the city came, and they found a rope, and they tied it around the boy, and they said, boy, we're getting ready to pull you up. And the boy said, wait, somebody go get my daddy. So they had him tied around the rope, and they said, son, we can, we can pull you up right now. He said, no, I'm going to wait on my daddy. So they wait a while, the the rope is tied around the little boy. The men are still waiting there, holstering the rope, waiting for the boy to let go of the branch so that they can pull him up. But he does not let go of that branch until his father arrives. But when his father arrives, his dad, dad says to the boy, he says, son, you can let go of the branch. But the boy did not let go of the branch until his father said, son, you can let go. As soon as his father said, let go of the boy, let go of the branch, his father and the men pulled him up to safety over the side of the cliff. But the boy said, I'm holding on where I am until my daddy comes. And I came to tell somebody this morning that wherever you are right now, no matter how bad your situation looks, God is saying, hold on until I get you. Hold on until I get there. Hold on until I pull you up. Don't allow the devil to trick you into letting go. Because sometimes the devil comes fast. And we'd rather have the devil's solution. Not because it's better, but because it's faster. But I came to tell somebody, you need to hold on. Wait with patience. And he said, they, that if you wait on me, he said, I'll renew your strength. He said, I'll deliver you. He said, I'll bring you out. He said, hold on just a little while longer. But I know my God is on the way. And it may not come when you want him. But it's always, somebody say always. He's always, he's always on time. Come on, put those hands together and give God some praise. Everyone standing to your feet. Hallelujah. Everyone standing to your feet. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word that reminds us to, with patience, perfect patience, wait on you because our experience, our trial has taught us hope. We've learned hope through experience and well, because of this hope, we shall not be ashamed. You will always come through on that which you have declared, on that which you have said will happen. And we're waiting on you with this great hope, with this great expectation. And we know that you will not let us get down. We know that you will always come through. You're not a man that you should lie, nor the son of man that you should repent. 
But Lord, heaven and earth will pass away before one iota of your word shall fail. And we're trusting you right now. Lord, you supply all of our needs according to your riches and glory. And Lord, we're believing and standing on that hope with patience by faith right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We're believing it shall come to pass in Jesus' name. Amen. Come and put those hands together and give God some praise. For those of you who've been watching us virtually, we pray that you are blessed until we shall see you again. I hope and pray that each of you were touched and inspired by our service today. If you wish to partner with us, you can do so by Give a Fund. Download the app on Apple Store or Google Play and search for Bright Temple. If you wish to partner with us on Cash App, just look for Bright Temple in the two line. And in the four line, tell us the purpose of your gift. If you would rather mail your gift, you can mail us at Bright Temple, Post Office Box 453, Shelbyville, Tennessee, 37162. Thanks in advance for your generosity, and we pray God's blessings on you and your gift.